Oh God, your love never fails. You are the one who continues to call us to yourself, and this day we give to you. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship this day at Kern Church. Well, right now I want to offer a prayer for you. God, I thank you for this time of worship. I pray blessings upon those who are joining us online. I pray blessings upon all those who are here. May your spirit be lifted high as we come to God, as we come to you. And may each one who hears your word be touched by your spirit. Amen. Well, dear ones, have you ever had uh, just an amazing encounter with God? Just a, a time in your life when you had an, an encounter with God that you knew was truly God. I'm talking about one of those encounters where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are certain that you have truly experienced God. I know if I'm honest with myself, I have had times like this. But I also know that, that many of these times happened during my youth, from time spent at Young Life Camp, or going on mission trips, or even at, at resurrection that our youth continued to participate in. I think, I think uh, for many Tennessee fans, perhaps, last night was one of those experiences, um, you know, once-in-a-lifetime almost experiences to celebrate a win such as that. As an alum of resurrection, of going to resurrection, it's, it's neat that our young people are still doing this. For those of you that don't know, resurrection is, it used to be in Gatlinburg, now it's in Pigeon Forge. It's a youth retreat for thousands of youth and, and their leaders gathered from around the region to experience a powerful encounter with God. And, and it's still a, a life-changing experience where people really experience resurrection and then as a dad, I'm excited that my son is planning to go this year for the first, or actually next year, for the first time. You know, these are types of experiences where you know, where you know beyond a doubt that you have truly experienced the presence of God, and, and, and the presence of God has changed you in a powerful way. Oftentimes we call these experiences, and maybe you've heard this term, as a, a mountaintop experience. These are, these are things, these are experiences, I think they get their name from the Bible because often God shows up in special ways on the mountaintop. When, when Moses was trying to, to find God and, and, and to, uh, to, to learn from God and what he needed to do, he was up on a mountain and God spoke to him on a mountain. Uh, there's been different times throughout the Bible where, where people of God are on a literal mountain. And while they are on that literal mountain, God moves in a special way to bless them. I think oftentimes these types of experiences still happen on literal mountains, from camps that happen in the mountains, from, from resurrection, for example, that used to be in the mountains of Gatlinburg, and now it's kind of in the foothills. And, and, and there, these are times to be away and to experience God in a powerful way. One of the, the times in my life that I think about the most was, was a time that that I was working on an Emmaus retreat. And perhaps some of you are familiar with Emmaus, but Emmaus is a, 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 a lay movement of people that are trying to, to figure out how to grow more closely to God and, and to live out their Christian life and to share this experience with others. Well, I was working, and while I was in college, was working on one of these Emmaus retreats, a chrysalis retreat, actually, which was for high school students. And, and there I was as a leader and, and in college and going through all the kind of college things that college people go through, and there was this terrible angst or like just uncertainty, doubt that I was experiencing 
in my, in my heart and in my spirit. Uh, today, I'm not quite sure what this doubt and anxiety was about. Um, to me, today, and in all the stuff that I deal with, it seems like such a small thing. Uh, but I'm sure it had to do, I know it had to do with my future and, and what God might want for me. And, and I mean, that's a pretty normal thing to be concerned with as a college student. I, I thought perhaps that, that I was called or really was called into, into ministry, but yet I was still concerned if, if there was doing it for the wrong reasons or anything like that. After being a pastor for 10 years, I laugh at the idea that I might be going into ministry for the wrong reasons. There's a lot, you know, things I could have done differently to, to do different things, to make more money, to, to perhaps have less stress, but it's an it's incredibly rewarding thing that I get to do to, to share the love of God and to be with people, but I, I, I couldn't, you can't tell your younger self any of that. But I remember one night we were in the chapel praying. This was the candlelight evening, and, and there was a powerful night for the, the, the young people that, that we were with and that I was praying with and working with all week or all, all weekend. And, and I was still having this, this, just this pain in my soul. And, and as I was there in the chapel praying and maybe talking with, to some of the youth that were there, one of the pastors on the group came up to me and he said, you know, Will, I, I don't normally do this, but I've been asking God if I needed to go speak to someone and pray with someone. And, and, and I, every time I looked up, you were in my path. And he said, you know, I know, God, this is a young man who's who is working here, and perhaps he's not the one I'm supposed to speak to, but, but each time, Will, that you're the one that was in my path. And so I, I figured that I might as well listen to God, and, and so I did, and, and I want to come and pray with you, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just want to pray with you. And, and I have to tell you that the words of this pastor's prayer spoke exactly to what I was going through at the time. It was exact words that, that God used to give me a spirit of assurance that, that I was, I was uh, doing the things that God wanted me to do. It was a powerful moment of assurance that I indeed was following after the ways of God, where God directly met me in this mountaintop experience. Now, these, these, these types of, of mountaintop experiences, they are great. These are things that, that you perhaps can remember and look forward to at different times in your life. But the problem is that you always have to come down from the mountaintop. Now, those of you that, that live on a, a mountain, perhaps there's some proximity to the mountains that, that you're always like near to. And, and so I love being in the mountains. But, but even if you literally don't come off the mountain, uh, most people don't live on mountains. And you can't spiritually always live on the mountain. So you have to come back down to life. You have to come back down to the valley. You have to come back home. And the problem with coming home is that if you've been on the mountain, you have had a life-changing experience. It's like all those wonderful people who, who are traveling for fall break and going to the beach and, and eating seafood and doing all this fun stuff for fall break while my kids are stuck at home and partying, but they don't understand that. Um, Anyways, I, I'm reminded of, of how so many people are having so much fun, but the time you come home, nobody really wants to hear about your fun. Like, they've seen your pictures on Facebook, but, and they, they want to know that you had a good time, but, but that's about it. Nobody is really interested into the experience that you had. Your friends and your family, they've lived life as normal. They haven't had that life-changing experience just recently, and so, so it's often difficult if you've had this intense encounter with God, 
to live in the normal life, to come back home and to see what things look like. And for most of us, we don't get to live on the mountain. Most of us don't get to live in that mountaintop experience. We live life right here, right now, today. You live life right here today. And if you are a person of faith, it is important to live your faith today. Just today. Not, not just during those special uh, spiritual, so-called spiritual moments of mountaintop experiences. And this is the one of the reasons that for the past few weeks we've been focusing on, on three kind of general rules for living a faithful life to help you to to grow closer to God and to walk in your faith each and every day. The first of these these rules was designed to help you to to be more faithful, this idea of doing no harm, of, of using this idea of doing no harm to be a filter in your heart and in your mind to keep you from doing those things and saying those things that harm other people. Last week we looked at the second rule of, of, of do good. And, and while the first rule was like this internal rule of, of a filter, the second rule of do good was about your hands, about going out and doing all the good you can as much as, as possible at every chance that you get. This week, I sent out an email. I invite you to, to, to follow me and follow us on social and, and to sign up for our emails because this week I sent out an email with some tips on how to do good throughout the week. And I got so many responses to this email of people thanking me and engaging in conversation about things that, that God was doing in, in your lives. And, and it was such a blessing to hear how, how this message of do good really kind of resonated throughout, throughout the week to do all kinds of good. And then today we get to this third rule, this rule which deals directly with cultivating specific practices that can help keep you connected to God. As John Wesley wrote, the third rule of living your faith is to attend upon all the ordinances of God. Now, I want you to know that John Wesley, he was the founder of Methodism, and he's the first one to have written these these kind of three general rules for life. And so this third rule, attend upon all the ordinances of God, it's based, the language comes straight from the 1700s. I don't think anybody today would say attend upon all the ordinances. Like, that's just language we wouldn't use or don't use. It kind of sounds strange. It's, It's language about attending to God. But And so I've tried to summarize it with just this simple statement that I hope is helpful. The third rule is to stay connected to God, to connect with God. I mean, being connected with God is so important for growing in faith. And, and I want to share something that Jesus had to say about this very rule, about how important it is to stay connected. This comes from what John wrote about the ministry of Jesus. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 1. Here Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. 
Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want. It will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit and in this way prove that you are my disciples. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Without the vine, the branches wither. Without Jesus, the followers of Jesus wither. Without remaining in Jesus, the followers of Jesus wither. I can testify that this is true. The branches need the vine. Without the vine, the branches wither. We have lots of vine and ivy in different parts of our backyard from years of, of, of neglect, of, of pruning. And, and, and they have kind of taken over so much of the yard. And, and many of you, uh, there was many people that helped kind of get it started and cutting back the vines and taking care of some of this. And, and the problem is that, that they're just so pervasive. But the thing is, uh, as, as the vines grow, if you cut off the vine, if you cut off like the taproot to, to the vine they start to kind of die. Now, they're resilient and they can find other ways to get their nutrients, but if you cut the vine off from its source, the branches start to wither. So now, not only do we have a lot of vines taken over, we also have a lot of dead branches from vines because many faithful people have gone in and like cut off the vine at the root. And, and, and we have dead vines that now need to be taken care of and, and need, to be, uh, need to be thrown in perhaps the fire because the branches die when they're not connected to the vine. This reminds me of an old preacher's story. And, and many, if not most of you, have heard this story. And, and I'm not one, uh, I don't come from a family of old preachers, so I'm not one that generally knows these stories. I'm not one that generally tells these stories. But this is one of those old preacher stories that as I was thinking about this image of the vine and the branches, that I, I just needed to share an old preacher story. So if you might pretend that, 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 that I'm sharing an old preacher story and we're old-timey church and this is something that makes a lot of sense, okay? So here's this old preacher story that I think speaks to what Jesus is saying. It goes, a member of a certain church, it's always a certain church because it's not your church, of course, a member of a certain church who had previously attended services regularly stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a chilly evening. And I imagine that when the pastor goes unannounced to this house, not only was it a chilly evening, it was a chilly reception as well. And so it was a chilly evening, and the, the pastor found the man at home alone, sitting before a blazing fire, guessing the reason for the pastor's visit. The man welcomed him, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, and waited. The pastor made himself comfortable but said nothing. And in the grave silence, he contemplated the, the play of the flames around the burning logs. And then after some minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning ember, and just set it to the side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet fascination as the one lone ember's flame diminished. There was a momentary glow, and then the fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead as a doornail. 
Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting, a chilly reception, right? Just before the pastor was ready to leave, though, he picked up that cold, dead ember and placed it back into the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and warmth of of the burning coals around it. And as the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, Thank you so much for your visit, and especially thank you for that fiery sermon. I shall be back in church next Sunday. You know, the truth is, you can't live a faithful life alone. The truth is, you can't really stay deeply connected to God alone. You can't live a life fulfilled in purpose by God all by yourself. I mean, it takes, it takes staying connected to God and staying connected to other people who, who are trying to hold you accountable and who are trying to also stay connected to God to really live a faithful life. And the thing is, this is not just something nice for, for me to admonish you as your pastor and to tell you to do better, because there are some very specific things that you and I both should attend to to help us stay connected to God. There's some very specific things that that you can do to help live out this third rule of of, of living a a faithful life, this third rule of of being generous in your spirit, this third rule of staying real connected to God because that's what it takes to live a faithful life, a life with purpose in God. These are the things that, that John Wesley was talking about when he wrote about attending upon the ordinances of God. So since this attending upon the ordinances is kind of archaic language, I'm just going to share with you what these ordinances are. And and then John Wesley would say, attend to them, do them. Here's what he had to say, attending and participating in the public worship of God. That means being present in worship and, and, and worshiping God publicly with other believers. Listening to the Bible being read and being preached. Sharing in holy communion, family and private prayer, reading the Bible, and fasting from food and other things. You know, these are some pretty specific experiences. Some pretty specific practices that are designed to help you stay connected to God. These are are outward things that, that are also able to bring your heart closer to God, to bring your presence into the presence of God, to keep you more connected. These are the practices of faith that water the branches, that sustain the vine, that help sustain and keep your connection to the vine of Christ. So you can probably follow Jesus by yourself for a little bit. But to truly live a full life of faith, it's important to attend upon these practices. It's important to attend to the public worship of God. You know, when you come together with with other believers in the faith to give God praise, you are, are expecting to do something for God, but you are also expecting to receive something yourself, to receive a renewed connection, to receive a renewed connection to, to other followers of Jesus and to receive a renewed connection to Jesus. And it's not just coming to worship so you get something out of it. it it's just it's participating in worship with other believers, because this is the pattern that Jesus' followers have been doing for generation to generation, to sustain the faith, to teach others about the faith. And so God's glory is magnified. It's also important to hear the Bible being read and, and being preached and being taught. 
You know, one of the ordinances that, that Wesley lifts up is reading the Bible yourself, studying the Bible yourself, but there's also value in having the Bible read and taught by others. It's awesome because it's important for you and I to learn not just by ourselves in the quiet of our own homes, but for you and I to learn, seriously learn from other people to learn from the practices of other people, the teaching of other people, the learning of other people. It's important because together, together, we can really grow in faith. And another one is holy communion. When you share in, in holy communion, you receive God's grace in a special way. And this is just something you can't do alone. Communion happens around the table where, where, where the Spirit of God is lifted high and, and, and the people of God gather together to receive the bread and the cup and God's grace in a special way. You see, when you're eating of the bread and drinking of the cup, you re receive the grace of God in a way that God, that God intended, in a way that God designed. In another writing, John Wesley described communion as food for the soul. Food for the soul. Communion as the true soul food. The, the, the type of food that sustains your soul even in times of drought. Something that gives you strength to live out your Christian life. Of course there are other practices that are important too. Fasting. We talk a lot about fasting during the spring and preparing for Easter. And also prayer. Today though, and this week, I want to invite you to focus on two practices. Just two practices. The first is Holy Communion. Receiving, receiving the food for the soul. And we will do that in just a moment to, to practice out this communion, to practice receiving the food for the soul. And the second practice I want to give you and invite you to participate in this week is prayer. Prayer. You see, a few weeks ago, I shared that, that we will be launching a, a church-wide prayer campaign. And, and, and I can tell you that I have been praying each and every day about how to do this. I've been praying each and every day for breakthroughs from God's Holy Spirit to come and to, to intercede into your lives, into the lives of our church, to bring miracles in a powerful way. And so, so next week, we were going to be launching this prayer campaign as a way of, of staying connected to God, as a way of, of living out this third general rule of faith. And, and we are going to say some specific prayers together. We are going to pray powerful prayers. And my strong belief is that God is going to move in a powerful way, that God is going to move in a miraculous way in the life of this congregation, but also in your life in a personal way. In fact, the the message series during this time is called Pray for Miracles. So I've already been praying for miracles. I've already seen miracles over these past few weeks if I have been praying. And I'm so excited to be praying these prayers alongside of you over the next few weeks and what I hope are the next few seasons and on and on and on as you pray prayers of breakthrough and miracle in your life and for and on behalf of our church. But before we get there, I want to encourage you to do some homework. So this is that take-home thing that you can take home, and it's not hard homework. Uh, my kids complain when they have homework after shouldn't have to have homework over fall break. I'm beating on my kids this morning, and I shouldn't be. But um, 
this is just a little bit of homework, but, but I think that, that if, you will, if you will do this, one specific thing, that you will be ready to begin praying these prayers. So today you are going to receive your food, your spiritual strength for today, and then I want to invite you to say a simple homework prayer as you prepare for the faith campaign, the prayer campaign in your life. See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, but before he taught his disciples to pray, his disciples, his closest followers, asked him to teach them how to pray with the simple phrase, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, this was the disciples praying to Jesus, asking, you know, God, Lord, just, just teach us to pray. So my homework for you, and homework for me, is to pray this simple prayer every day. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. And in fact, if you have a bulletin and you want to take this home with you, under the next step section of the bulletin, it says, pray, Lord, teach me to pray. And so I invite you to take this, to put it on your, whatever you, you, you need, to, like your planner and your Bible, and look at this next step. The first and most important next step for you today is to pray this prayer, Lord, teach me to pray. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer daily. But not only do I want you to pray it daily, I, I, I want to invite you to set a reminder, perhaps on your phone or, or in some type of planner that you have, an alarm perhaps to go off at three times throughout the day, maybe at breakfast and then at lunch and then before bed, to just hold out your hands, pray, Lord, teach me to pray, and then pause. Pause just for a moment, maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, it doesn't take long, but just, Lord, teach me to pray. And pause for long enough for silence. Maybe in that silence, God will speak to you. God will respond to your quest. And my prayer is that after we've been praying this prayer throughout the week, that you and I have been praying this prayer throughout the week, that next week when we begin praying even more powerful prayers, that your heart will be ready, that our hearts will be ready to continue to stay connected to God, to continue to pray. Well, by this, you will live out this third general rule of life. This third general rule of your life and, and you are preparing your heart to, to really hear from God. Preparing your heart to pray for your church, for yourself. Right now, I want to pray for you and then we're going to move into a time of Holy Communion. Oh God, I pray for each one who is joining us in worship today. I, I pray that you bless them. I pray that as we receive Holy Communion, that, that the spirits of all those who are joined together will fill your presence in a powerful way, and that you will provide food and strength for their bodies, for their souls. And Lord, I also pray for each one that, that you will teach us to pray. I pray that all who hear these words will, will pray throughout the week, Lord, teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray, and that each time we will be silent and let you have a chance to speak to us. And so this day, I say, Lord, teach me to pray. Dear ones, if you're joining us on, online, I want you to know that you can participate in communion by having bread and juice or something of the sort uh, to join with us. And I want to invite you as we join together to confess. 
Because this table that is set before us is the table of God. It's the table of Jesus. And, and it's not a table that, that we own. It's not a table that, that uh, is owned by anyone. It's a table that is the presence of Christ. And Christ invites to his table all who love him and repent of their sins. And so I want to invite you at this time to join me in this confession. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, you give us ways to stay connected with you. You teach us to do no harm, do good, and keep your ways for faithful living. Too often we prefer our ways to your ways. Too often we forget that we are but branches and you are the vine. Too often we try to go it alone. Forgive us, we pray. Free us to receive your spirit. Teach us to remain in you as you promise to remain in us. Lord, teach us to pray. The good news, dear ones, is that you and I are recipients of the forgiveness of God that pours out upon all because of God's life-giving presence. And so, as the people of God, as forgiven and redeemed people, God invites us to give thanks to God. And so I invite you to, to join all the people on earth and all the company of heaven as we praise the name of God and join this blessed and unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, almighty God, and blessed is your son, Jesus the Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and promised to sustain us through your Holy Spirit each and every day. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he met with his followers in a room and, and he took a loaf of bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took a cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, food for the soul so that we may be strengthened in your spirit and we may receive your everlasting presence. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, all the people on earth and in heaven said, Amen. Dear ones, this is the body of Christ given for you. And this is the cup of salvation poured out for you. Lord, I give you thanks for this meal of holy sustenance. May you be blessed. And may each one who has received, receive the strength of your spirit. Amen.
Dear ones, as you go about your week, may you pray, Lord, teach me to pray, and may the Lord teach you to pray as you stay connected with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.